What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. It's just me in the studio today. It's episode 163. Yes, I know we said that we weren't going to be here next week. But, you know, the thing is, is that we actually have an interview with director, composer, writer, Rich Ragsdale, who has worked on movies like Ghost House and done a lot of work on music and stuff. He's got a brand new short that I just got to see that he's been showing around at the festivals, and uh, it's really cool. Uh, So I wanted to reach out to him and see if we could get an interview, and we have one for you today. So you guys want to stick around for that. Still planning on doing my vacation here uh, from the podcast only. I'll be working on the YouTube channel uh, quite a bit while I'm gone in my absence. So if you want to extend your BTV uh, interests and things like that, please do give us a follow on YouTube. Uh, There is going to be a lot of new stuff on there that I think you guys will enjoy. I just put up a review for episode six of the Creep Show show on Shudder. Did a... DVD Blu-ray haul. I also have a couple of other reviews and things on there that you can check out and uh, keep up to date with stuff. Also, if you guys are listening to us as a podcast anywhere that you are, whether it's iTunes or wherever, depending on where you guys are listening, we would greatly appreciate any kind of rating that you could give. I don't ask a lot because I just don't like asking you guys to do things. I just enjoy doing this. But if you could go to iTunes, even if you don't have an iTunes, if you could give us a rating and a review on there because those things go a long way to help us out and to reach more individuals like yourself. And don't forget, we also have our BTV VIP club that we do every month and we'll still be doing a giveaway for that uh, for the uh, next month here, for this month, November. So if you haven't signed up for the BTV VIP club, then you should because we do give away Blu-rays and DVDs for people in the U.S. If you're outside of the U.S., we'll work something out with you and maybe like an Amazon gift card or something like that. We don't mind. Uh, We just want to be able to help give back to you guys for listening and supporting. Uh, We've given away quite a few this year already and uh, you could be a winner so if you've already entered in the vip club you're done you're good you're golden you're in the pile in the mix so um make sure that you don't stick those in your spam folder because if you do then it unsubscribes you by the way just fyi you can throw them away in the trash that's fine but uh definitely do not put them in the spam because then you are disentered <laughs> i don't know how if that's even the appropriate words but whatever anyway guys 
I think it might be that time for us to jump right into the interview with Rich Ragsdale. We had a great conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. See what he's got coming up for the future and uh, what he's all about. So without further ado, let's jump into that. All right, guys, today we have Rich Ragsdale, who is a composer, director, producer, and writer. He's kind of a renaissance man in the film industry. He's directed The Curse of El Charo, Ghost House, plus a few new ones we might talk about today. He's composed a crap ton of uh, work and music, including music in Eight-Legged Freaks, Masters of Horror, The Mechanical Bride, Aliens vs. Predator, the video game, and all the aforementioned uh, movies that we just I just mentioned. Welcome to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, Rich. Hey, thanks. Yeah, man, it's good to have you. I appreciate you taking your time out today to sit down with us. You got some new projects that I'm anxious to talk about, but, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. So you are more of a composer that has become director, uh, and some people may or may not know that. Uh, I know that you went to the Berkeley College of Music in USC to study this, plus you did some work on, like, learning guitar and... uh some of that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, as a kid, I grew up in uh, Tennessee and, you know, everybody's kind of a guitar player in Nashville. So right. know, I grew up playing guitar and uh, ended up going to music school. I decided I wanted to get into film scoring because I love movies and I love music. So that became my sort of focus. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, just sort of that, that of course led me uh to come out to los angeles and i ended up in at usc studies and film scoring and and then i got out and was unemployed for a few years you know <laughs> <laughs> as any good uh hard uh individual usually has to experience probably right yeah yeah at some point if not then you don't you're probably not going to do well <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I know that you've uh, started out with uh, composition and music for movies and things, and you mentioned that that was a huge inspiration. But did you have any bands or any movies in particular that inspired you? Uh, and if you were in your own band, too, of course. Well, like when I was a kid, I played in a lot of bands in Nashville. But, uh, you know, like the rock star thing didn't really work out. And I was really more interested in writing music than performing music. And so, you know, I went to music school and studied like a more you know, orchestral approach to music. But, uh, I mean, I was very inspired by film scores, you know, everything from like John Carpenter uh, to like Bernard Herrmann, you know, like his music for the Hitchcock films. I, I listened to that stuff a lot when I was a kid, you know, I had this very eclectic taste in music that th those guys really inspired me. I really loved, especially like John Carpenter's score for Escape from New York when I was yeah. a kid. I mean, I, I just think it's probably the best uh, like synth score that anybody's ever done. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Bernard Herrmann and Jerry Goldsmith, of course, John oh. Williams, all of those guys really got me when I was a kid. Yeah, I love The Omen. That's... <laughs> oh, it's so good. I mean, yeah. just for... I think the music in that particular movie probably elevates it <laughs> just so much more. <laughs> sure. It's funny because when music's that good, it almost becomes a cliche. It's kind of like Jaws or, or The Omen, you know, the, the kind of Latin chanting, you know, I'll be, you know, it's like every exorcism movie has to have that kind of music. But I mean, it really starts with, with Jerry Goldsmith. Right. I know he kind of reminds me of listening to my dad's eight tracks when I was younger, listening to uh, The Exorcist, <laughs> which was kind of scary for me as a kid, you know. Well, there's some great music on The Exorcist score, too. And that's mostly like uh, 
like classical music or the tubular bells, you know, Mike Oldfield's tubular bells, but right. You know, but I, I loved that music too. I thought that film was, I mean, particularly effective and the soundtrack is, is everything in that film. Excellent. So I would safe to say that you're a pretty big horror fan. Oh yeah. I mean, from, from a very young age, I was, I was interested in horror movies. My brother and I both, you know, do you remember your first experience, your first uh, d- toe dip into the uh, world of horror? Well, I remember there used to be this like local station that would play horror movies late at night on the weekends. They, they would show a bunch of those like Amicus and Hammer horror films, you know, like these old reruns of those like British horror films. So I, I can't remember. Probably the first movie I remember, I have a vivid memory of watching that was a horror film was Dr. Tarot's House of Horrors, ah. which was one of those Amicus like anthology films that had like, and it, and it scared the shit out of me. I was just terrified by it, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. When it comes to composing music, what do you think is, uh, do you have a particular style or are you just kind of open to uh, doing whatever fits? Is that like, how's your process? That's definitely, I mean, you know, I, I feel like maybe I, I have a style, but, it, you know, I, I, I try to work within a number of different genres. It just depends on the project, you know, like, like, for example, I did some music for the show Masters of Horror for Stuart Gordon. Right. And we did we did this thing about Edgar Allan Poe. And so I made all the music. I, I tried to make it like very, almost like something you would hear in a movie from like the 40s or the 50s, you know, like m- mostly strings and very like lush and very melodic. And I used some kind of uh, like some old, on top of the strings, like some old period instruments and stuff that would kind of, you know, call back to the 19th century and stuff. So, uh, you know, we did a short film recently that's a, very much like a meta 80s sort of thing. And I, I did the whole you know, Goblin, John Carpenter kind of thing, you know. Which I love, by the way. And uh, the uh, you're talking, you're referencing The Loop, or are you talking about YOLO? Because yeah. I watch both of those. Oh, The Loop. The the Loop is, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah. YOLO was fun to do, too. But The Loop is something we're very proud of, so. Now, do you think that uh, because you've worked in music, uh, that it's affected how you direct, or vice versa? Like, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I, I think that, like, trying to work with larger musical forms helps you sort of understand larger narrative forms, if that makes any sense. I mean, Pacing. Def- definitely. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, a, a lot of the technology that's involved with making films now, especially in the editorial process, is very similar to how the music software is built. So like, there's not a lot of difference between a nonlinear editing software like Premiere and Pro Tools, say, or, or Logic, you know, mm-hmm. there's like, plugins and you know effects and you know you have you you know you cut things in chunks and you slide them around and you manipulate things uh you manipulate time and the way things you know just and you can layer things it's 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 very similar uh conceptually so once you have a good handle on you know say something like pro tools uh it's it's not a, a jump to go to like Premiere or Final Cut or Avid. Okay. So are you very linear when you actually do both of these things? Uh, well, especially if you're editing too, depending on the film, I guess. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the funny thing is when I was a kid, you know, I was like, I was very interested in drawing. I was very visual and I, I don't know, you know, so filmmaking to me kind of brings together all these interests that I've had, which is like narrative, sound and music and, and the visual. And it's just kind of a, 
it just, I felt like all my life, all my skill sets were sort of pushing me. This, I ended up where I belonged, which is, this is where all my skill sets were pushing me. Even though I didn't really uh, go, I didn't go to film school or anything like that. I, I sort of learned on the job. So I kind of went to film school in public, you know? <laughs> so yeah. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting way to do it. <laughs> well, you either got it or you don't. So I guess you, you learn to s- you sink or swim, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So now you uh, one of your first feature films that you worked on uh, was uh, Curse of El Charo, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but it has like Danny Trejo and Lemmy in it even. Yeah, yeah. The, but they both have very small parts in it. I mean, Lemmy in particular. We just kind of put Lemmy in because my brother and I, you know, we loved Motorhead when we were little kids. And so it was like, we were like, why not just put Lemmy in the movie? That gave us a chance to hang out with him. And, you know, it was cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like all your hard work got you to that point where you can meet some of your favorite people. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the best thing about this industry is like, you know, you grow up watching Reanimator and then, you know, several years later, you're writing music for Stuart Gordon. You know, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I also heard that you're a huge uh, silent film buff. Big time. Yeah. Matter of fact, I was rewatching The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari last night. You know, nice. Did you ever see the 80s version? The uh, the, I forget. I think it's just called Dr. Caligari. Well, yeah, there was a remake in the 50s i think which didn't have much to do with the original film and then there was yeah like somebody did a like a thing where they they did a sound version using the stills as the background mm-hmm. like it like they did it all green screen it was i mean i thought it was like an interesting experiment but i mean it's such a revolutionary film I, there's almost it's almost the most revolutionary film the most original film ever made you know if you put it in the context of its time so I feel like it's kind of folly to try and remake it in that like. You I know. totally agree. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, I mean, I think the 80s version was like an Andy Warhol version. So it was like completely different oh, than the oh, original. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a like a neon. So kind of almost like softcore kind of thing. Right? Yes, it very much yes. very kind of exploitative art, art, art house film kind of style. OK, yeah, that was a weird movie. I kind of appreciate that. There was, a, <laughs> there was another version that came out in, I think, the early 2000s where they had gone through and taken all these production photographs and did a green screen version of the movie but using the the production stills as the backdrop yeah i don't think i've seen that one but i think i know which one you're talking about yeah i mean it, it you know it like i said it's an interesting idea it's not really a it doesn't really work but right yeah i forgot about that one though yeah the the soft core yeah one. that one is just blows my mind every time i yeah. watch it some of the weirdest funniest lines in it and the most yeah obscure things in it I've ever seen, but sometimes those things make me just not leave the screen. So, (laughs) um, now you got a new film that you're, you're taking out to festivals, right? The loop. Yeah. And are you shopping that around or it's a short film that we made, you know, we've been developing a couple of features and in the interim, my brother was like, let's shoot something. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, I've got this, a couple of these shorts that I had written. I actually wrote them for, uh, you know, crypt TV, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I finished Ghost House, which is our most recent feature, Crypt TV, I took a meeting with them and they wanted me to do some shorts. Uh, And I wrote a couple and uh, it just wasn't it didn't work out in that like, you know, the budgets weren't great. And, you know, so I I was just like, yeah, I I just I mean, it was it was very friendly, but I was just like, I'm just going to hang on to these. So the loop was one of them. And I showed it to my brother and he was like, oh, that's cool. Let's let's make this. And so we just kind of shot it 
for fun. And, uh, you know, it's been very, people really have reacted positively to it. So we're, we're actually trying to sort of develop it into a feature concept. So I saw that in IMDb and I didn't know if I could ask that or not, because I was like, Oh, they're going to make a feature. This is great. Uh, how about for could you give them the people listening uh, just a kind of like a quick elevator pitch of like what the loop is to you without spoiling anything, I guess? It's just it's a very meta horror f- uh, film. The short in particular, it's like it's very much a love letter to the VHS era of uh, horror, you know, the, the kind of 80s blockbuster uh, era. The, the feature version is going to be we're sort of talking about it is kind of like Goonies meets Nightmare on Elm Street meets Groundhog's Day. <laughs> so it's like, That's pretty much a pretty accurate thing I can imagine, yeah. actually. So, that, I mean, that's without giving anything away. I mean, it's hard to sort of talk about without spoiling. Right. But, uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, when I heard the, when I saw the like picture on yeah. Twitter, because I wrote on the Twitter and I said, oh, tell me more, because I knew <laughs> when I saw the loop with the infinity symbol, I was like, oh, I get it. I yeah. think this is going to be great. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, it, it, it's very meta in, in, uh, in regards to the eighties and that like the loop is this kind of VHS era horror villain who is sort of equal parts like Freddie and Hellraiser and, you know, Jason and Michael Myers, you know, just, uh, you know, Candyman. He's got the funny one liners. He's got the prosthetic makeup. He's got like a cool black trench coat and chains. And, you know, we just wanted to kind of make it an amalgam of everything that you love about the 80s. You know? Right. In fact, I, I got to ask, and this won't, I won't spoil it, of course, but yeah. there's a scene in it where he's like, this makes it so much scarier. And I'm yeah. like, that's got to be Ghostbusters, right? Well, you know, it's funny because he comes in and it, it was improvised on the day because we had this like, you know, we shot the sort of vhs portion of the horror film on a stage so it would look sort of artificial and kind of cheap and 80s low budget and there was an old piano and my brother who plays the loop comes in and started banging on the piano and he goes now nah, that makes it real fucking scary doesn't it you know just make a joke about like it's really a joke about the music you know it's like how music makes everything scarier or <laughs> you know so and it was just, he kind of improvised it, and we thought it was hilarious, so we kept it, you know. Now, has he done, I didn't get to look this up, but your brother and you, you have a production company called K&R. Yes. Which I would assume is Kevin and Rich. Yes, that's, yes. <laughs> it's very clever like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, simple work sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but is he acted a lot before, or is this just one that he was just like, oh, I got to do this? He's been doing, He's you know, recently he's been doing a lot more acting. He, he loves doing it. He's always been very interested in performing and, and um, you know, he's a producer by trade, but he's been segueing into doing more and more acting. I mean, he's got like a small part in Ghost House and he pops up here and there in other films. Um, and, you know, and so and, and I thought that the thing that was, you know, we wanted to shoot something anyway, just to kind of, you know, be shooting. Right. And I was like, you could play this guy. You'd be perfect for this. And I think it was like some childhood wish fulfillment for him too, to get to play like an 80s horror villain, like the kind of guys we watched when we were little kids on, on, on videotape, you know? Yeah. Now, are you going to carry him through to the feature, you think? Or? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the titular character. So he's got <laughs> to be there. Yeah. Know? I was hoping. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Sometimes they switch it up when they do that, but. So one of the things I loved about your short uh, is that the loop, of course, is that you have this like intentional 
80s sort of like lens, I guess, for the whole thing. Now, are you going to carry that sort of aesthetic through to the feature as well? Oh, entirely. Ah, oh, great. Know? So, yeah, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, you know, obviously there's a, a lot of interest in the 80s right now, uh, just sort of coincidentally, I think, but because I wrote this a couple years ago, but, you know, like you have Stranger Things and the New American Horror Story. and uh, So there's a lot of 80s in the air. Uh, but, you know, for me, like a lot of it, like, say, Stranger Things to me actually feels like a very contemporary show that's set in the 80s, you right. know, whereas like our goal would be actually to make something that kind of feels like you just stuck a videotape in and you're actually watching something from the 80s, you know, uh, kind of warts and all, you know, the 80s had some, you know, were, was great for horror, but had some really cringy stuff too. And right. we'll, we'll embrace all of that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really good move because I I think with the con, the the aesthetic of this short it's just so great and you just want to be in it. You know, I would want to watch an entire movie because in some ways I think a lot of the 80s movies or you know, if you look at music videos from the 80s even it has that kind of same aesthetic in a way and I think it's like super cool when they bring that forward to a feature film. For sure. I mean, and we're going to, you know, we would embrace all of that, you know. And you you know, I grew up with it, so it's like I feel very familiar with it. So right now, I know that you, as for as far as writing music, you typically I've heard you say in some of the interviews that I watched, you were talking about how you like a very organic approach. How does it feel to be working on a little bit more synthy uh, vibe? Are you doing analog synths? Are you doing like you know uh, straight digital? Like how how is that process? Well, for the loop in particular, because again, I was just trying to sort of stay true to the whole '80s thing. Uh, I did it. I wrote the music with a friend of mine. Uh, who has a cache of vintage scents. Nice. So I just go over to his place and I'd already kind of have the themes and stuff worked out, you know, uh, and then we would just sit down and kind of, you know, bang it out to picture. It, it was all like genuine analog stuff, you know. Uh, there's probably some, you know, more traditional gi- or like con- contemporary digital stuff in the sound design and stuff, but all the music's like, you know, Junos and, and Moogs and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I get so, to mess around with the the Moog and a couple of them, and uh, man, they are it's fun. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I mean, you just like hold down a low octave with a big fat pad, and you're just like, oh, you're already in the eighties. You know, yeah, so, that's so true. So yeah, I mean, I tried to keep it, you know, everything. You know, we shot with like older anamorphic lenses when we shot the the short, and we used analog synths for the music and stuff. Just try to keep everything as as pure as possible. Now, are you uh, looking for a date to try to get that finished by, or is there a time that you think you might be able to? What you mean, uh, the feature? Or? Yeah, on top of uh, the short, which is out in festivals. Yeah, I mean, well, I've been working on the script, and you know, we haven't really shopped it anywhere yet because it's not quite done. Uh, right. But you know, we're we're gonna probably you know start trying to push it pretty soon. I think in the interim, we might do a – we're discussing doing a sequel to uh, our film Ghost House, which did quite well for us. So I saw that, yeah. Um, so that's that's probably our, our next step is Excellent. Uh, another Ghost House film. But in the meantime, I'll be you know developing the loop thing and, you know. Well, especially somebody will bite on the, on the short maybe too, you know. Yeah. Which- Uh, You have another film that I saw in the list on IMDb here, a couple actually that are, I'm assuming that you kind of have fleshed a little bit out one that's called let it kill you. Can you talk a little bit about that or? Yeah. So that's a film 
uh, I have been attached to direct. That was, it's a, uh, a werewolf film. It has sort of a, like a gay love story at the center of it. And it's a pretty, it's pretty great script. Um, and I met, I met the company through Scout Taylor Compton, who okay. was in ghost house. And, you know, she's kind of famous for having done Rob Zombie's Halloween films among other things, which she does but, crazy really well. Oh yeah. She's great. And uh, we actually just, I shot a film with her this summer too, which is in, we're in the process of editing. Um, But she introduced me to the production company that is making this film and we've gotten along quite well. And like I said, the script is very good and they're in the process right now of, of raising the money and it's pretty much ready to go. So once the funds are in place, I think we'll be shooting a movie, you know. Excellent. So we're going to see some of the same characters in the new ghost house. Yeah, although uh, it, it's really more of a prequel, so we're setting it. It will have all the characters will return uh, to a certain extent, but you know we, we're going back to uh, the sort of the beginning of the story. With uh, it'll feature like uh, Mark Boone Jr.'s character as a young person who's just uh, <clears throat> kind of gone AWOL from Vietnam and ends up in Thailand, and you know goes from there. So we get to do sort of a Vietnam era period piece slash wow. ghost story. It's quite cool. Very cool. Yeah, that concept is really cool because it is quite eerie to see all those little ghost houses everywhere, which I've heard they're pretty much pretty regular things out there. Yeah, I mean they're they're everywhere. I mean they're they're ubiquitous. So it's like uh, I mean, everybody has one. I mean, uh, the, outside everyone's house, there's a ghost house. Outside of banks and hotels and hospitals, everywhere, there's at least one ghost house. So, And we sort of based the movie, the original script, a little bit on some of our own personal experiences. Uh, so in Thailand, my brother's wife is Thai. And so we've spent some time over there. Yeah. And I was I was uh, curious about that. Like when you were doing uh, in the first movie, you mm-hmm. have some rituals and things in there. Now, did you have to pull from sort of uh, like a pool of uh, already known knowledge out there about these kind of things uh, to do that? Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff is basically based on stuff we encountered or came across while we were in Thailand. And the ritual at the end is kind of based more on less on the sort of Buddhism uh, that is prevalent there and more on the there's kind of an older pagan or not pagan, but like Thai black magic kind of thing that goes way back. Uh, So, you know, so we had to kind of invent sort of the aesthetics of some of the ritual. But, you know, all our production designers and uh, most of our crew was Thai. So they were helping us navigate those waters. And I really appreciate that you guys did a lot of like very physical uh, work on that movie, like practical and mixed it all together, which I thought was really great use Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's some, uh, you know, like we were talking about silent films and stuff. There's scenes where like I'm running things backwards and just kind of doing all those tricks that they developed, you know, back in the 20s, Uh, you know, uh, and they're just I I feel like they're just as effective. And you see it, you might even recognize the trick, but it just looks so cool. You're kind of like, oh, that's that's dope. You know, Uh, I think I hope people appreciate that stuff. No, absolutely. My girlfriend and I were watching it. She was like, this is really cool. (laughs) well tell her i said thank you yeah i definitely will she's uh she's uh she was pretty impressed she loves like stuff those kind of stories uh she's a big (laughs) fan of like drag me to hell and things like that so um 
Well, Sam Raimi's a favorite of ours too, so you know we love Sam Raimi. Hell yeah! Do you now? I you you kind of I mentioned you might have mentioned this in another uh, interview or something, but I don't think you ever touched upon exactly what happened. Although I didn't listen to the whole thing, but you said something about you had some actual experiences out in Thailand that that kind of spooked you out, maybe, or can you talk yeah. about that? Well, so it was like, you know, so my brother had a child and he and his wife took his son over to Thailand to sort of meet the Thai side of the family uh, to introduce the baby to the family. And so my girlfriend and I came along, tagged along. And when we got there, she was pretty jet lagged and we were staying in a place called Ho Hen, which is south of Bangkok and kind of a coastal place, but pretty remote. And my girlfriend was having some bad uh, jet lag issues. And so I encouraged her. It was like, we got to get up, get you on schedule. And we went out to take a walk. We we're walking through the jungle and we came across this place where all the locals there in Ho Hen had taken all their old ghost houses and just thrown them away. It was like a graveyard of these old ghost houses. And so she and I are like taking pictures and, and like pulling things out of it and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is probably a really bad idea. (laughs) 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 And then we had a a driver who uh, was a friend of my sister-in-law, a guy who had a van, he would drive us around and his name was Gogo. And so Ah. we named her in the film after him. And I I was, I asked Gogo, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, told him about all these old ghost houses I we had found, and I was like, hey, "Could we maybe go back and grab one, and take it with us?" And he's like, "No, not my van." You know, so we were like, "Oh, okay, maybe there's an idea here." You know, so you know, there's some things like that. There's like, you, you know, we also tried to kind of shoot in a lot of the grungier side of of Bangkok. You know, like not this so much that I mean, there are the touristy moments at the beginning of the film because you want to. That's where most people go. But like, we're more sort of interested in the sort of the out of the way kind of weird stuff. And uh, so we tried to work a lot of that stuff into the film, too. You know, there are a number of characters in the film that are kind of based on people we we met over there, like Go-Go, you know, so. Right. Well, you even make word of the whole jet lag issue in the movie. And you also talk about Go-Go, obviously. Yeah. And and even visit the graveyard of all those ghost houses. So that's uh, pulling from real life stuff right there. Yeah, completely. You know. And, and then we did a lot of research into like Thai black magic and Thai, you know, the, the superstitions, that, you know, uh, and, you know, it was cool. And it was I mean, it was a very hard we made it on a very low budget, but it was a very hard film to make because it was very ambitious for its budget. But it was it was a real adventure making the film. So, I mean, it has a very special place in my heart. So absolutely. And guys, if you're listening and you want to see this movie and you haven't yet, I believe it's up on Netflix. That's how I watched it. So if you guys want to check that out definitely give it a whirl so so now i want to ask you if you had like the perfect opportunity to make whatever you want even without the realm of possibility with endless amount of money what would be the number one movie that you would like to make like story-wise i mean it you know that's a good question it's almost sort of an intimidating question (laughs) i i I, we we have a million ideas and a lot of things that are like kind of developed or we're developing they're all your babies of course they're all our babies you know i would love to make something that kind of harkens back to the silent era a little bit i mean you know, there's a, a silent film called The Student of Prague that I think is a really fantastic movie. It's kind of based on they took like a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe stories and a bunch of E.T.A. Hoffman stories and kind of squished them all together. And to do something like that, I think would be a lot of fun. Um, but there's, you know, I mean, like, look, you know, uh, I, I love making movies. I love making things in general, you know, music and, and film and 
we, we have a lot of projects, like I said, that, that we're kind of developing that, I mean, they're, they're all stuff I really want to do. I, it's kind of hard to sort of say, sure, I'd like to do this or like to do that. You know, I mean, I would like to work with like, a, I would love to do something with, uh, you know, a really, uh, substantial budget Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> everything is such a struggle. I mean, I'm sure it's still a struggle even on a larger budget, but at the same time, just the luxury of time and, and resources would be fantastic, you know? Now that's that other thing is too is that if you do have a larger budget, you have a larger crew, and yes. then and then it's a whole different different game, I would assume. So yeah, uh, that is very true. I mean, you know, and like, look, I mean, we pride it, it, a lot of it comes from doing music videos and things like that, but you know, we we try to make things look and feel as sort of big as possible. So you know, like Ghost House is a movie that I think looks and feels at least a little bigger than than you know what we had to make it with it was you know it was a very very ambitious thing and things are a little cheaper in thailand so that helped but it, at the same time I and mean, we really everybody worked very hard on that movie yeah i've actually seen a lot of uh big uh, famous italian uh directors that have gone to thailand to shoot some zombie films actually yeah. um <laughs> because they loved working there yeah well the people are great the crews are great the food's great i mean it's just kind of like it's kind of a win-win all around I really appreciate your time there today, man. And it was really a pleasure to talk with you, Rich. So I thank you for coming on and sharing your world with us today. Is there anything that, that anybody can catch the loop out in a festival near them, maybe, that you uh, are having coming up? Well, I mean, let's see. We're about to play Morbido Festival in Mexico City on the 2nd of November. Uh, so anybody in Mexico City, come hang out. Uh <laughs> and then we're at the Buried Alive Film Festival in Atlanta. And then there's a bunch of them that we're just waiting to see. They're waiting for them to announce. Of course, most of the horror ones are like, you know, the or the sort of horror slash genre festivals have just kind of passed. Right. Uh, like we pay, we played a number of those and it was we, we got really, really great responses. So we're very happy. But um, but, you know, the kind of the Halloween season is they coincide with Halloween. So it's. Um, that's about done. So then there's some other festivals we've submitted to that are not as genre-y. We'll see if it, they play there. So Excellent. Well, I, I hope to see, hope it gets out to the wild for people here soon because I really yeah. enjoyed it. So thank you for sharing it with me. For sure. And if people are interested, they can, you know, follow it on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You know, we'll put any updates there. I'll include some links down below for you guys so you can check that out. But thanks for coming by. And, uh, you know, I wish you well on your projects ahead. Head. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for, for uh, chatting with me. All right. That was the interview with Rich Ragsdale. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Looking forward to your future projects here. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to sit down with us and talk. We greatly appreciate it. What'd you guys think? I hope you enjoyed that. It's an extra little episode here, a little bonus 163 episode for you guys, because I don't know how to not work. It is impossible for me. And uh, this vacation is going to be more of a struggle not to do work than it is of relaxation. But I'm going to try, damn it. 
I'm going to fucking try. <laughs> but yeah, guys, next week there will not be anything for sure 100% unless you are on our YouTube channel. So I would stick around for that. Uh, you can go and look up Beyond the Void Horror Podcast on YouTube and you can find us there. Or there's always links below so you can check us out at longlivethevoid.com. But I hope that you guys had an amazing Halloween we especially did. We got to hang out with family and friends and such. So um, I will see you in a couple of weeks. But uh, thanks again, guys. And as always, long live the void. <laughs>